I had watched Sliding Doors. There was that moment where Gwyneth Paltrow cuts her hair short and puts flowers in it for the opening of the mm, restaurant gorge. that she's the PR for. And I was like, oh, that has to be me now, even though we look nothing alike and have different hair colours. So I cut my hair, put little red flowers <sighs> in the top and took a red feather boa. When do you think the last decade was that a feather boa wasn't a clear <laughs> cry for help? I think the 20s. <laughs> Shh. Hello, I'm Susie Youssef. And I'm Alexi Toliopoulos. Welcome to the Big Film Buffet. The film podcast for non-film nerds. But the kind of podcast that's going to make you sound way smarter when you talk about films, whether you've seen them or not. I've actually seen every single film. Quiet nerd. Oh, sorry. Each episode, we'll be sharing with you a three-course feast of films inspired by the Netflix premiere flick of the week. We'll roll up in a stretch limo with a classic startup. Then we'll straighten your bow tie and freshen your breath for our main course, The Prom. And to finish, we'll hand you a corsage as a delicate floral dessert of recommendations. If we're going to talk about the prom, we have to talk about teen musicals. Oh, we simply must. It's a really fun <laughs> subgenre, and I think the teen film really suits that musical format because when you're a teenager, the stakes are so high and the drama is so elevated. Every day feels like life or death to the max, which is perfect for a musical. And a little later, we're going to be joined by a very special dinner guest, the best dressed comedian in the world, Reese Nicholson. Ooh, I love him. But first, Grease is the word and the movie we're starting with today. I got a surprise for you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Sandy! Teddy? What are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. This is a classic. This is the story of Greaser Danny Zuko and Australian virginal mega babe Sandy Olsen who meet on the beach one summer and fall in love but have to contend with the reality of the real world when they bump into each other again at Rydell High School. I love Grease. It's one of the most enduring classics of all time. It still regularly plays to sold-out theatres around the world with sing-along screenings as well. And I think the Grease soundtrack has probably played at every wedding I have ever been to in my whole life, which is probably about 400 <laughs> yep. weddings. And even if you hate the part at the end of the night when your DJ cousin plays Summer Lovin', you can't help but join in that uh. song. You can't help it. You can't help it. It's my karaoke mainstay. It's is my it? excuse to get a friend up and we sing it together. Nice. There's also this huge Australian connection. Olivia Newton-John as Sandy, as this beachy, blonde, Australian expat good girl. Need we say more? It launches her career as this international star. And I truly deep down believe that in Australia, we think of this as part of our national identity. I mean, she literally led the way for all of us Australian blondes, <laughs> whether in our heart or in our hair, onto the world stage. Absolutely. And we are kicking goals because of you, Sandra D. I hadn't seen this movie in at least over a decade, but re-watching, I was so spellbound by it. I think it's so close to perfection. It captures everything about high school. The longing, the need to be cool, the horniness, everything. And they do it all with these actors all over the age of 27. Yeah, they're all way older than their age, but they kind of make it work. Absolutely. And I agree with you on one point that more than any other point that I rewatched it and was like, this is the horniest movie in movie <laughs> history. This is therefore one of the most accurate teenage films Ooh ever written. Remember those cartoons at the drive-in where you got the, the hot dog jumping into the bun? Horny. It's Absolutely. so horny. But Grease was basically for me, it was sex education. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't heard any other film talk about sex as frankly or as cheekily as Grease mm. did. It was where I learnt the most important lesson about sex that it only takes 15 minutes, which is true. <laughs> That's where I heard that from. That's <laughs> yeah. been in my head forever as well. That's where it's from. 
and it's so well cast. This is Travolta's first film since ascending to superstardom in one of the greatest films of all time, Saturday Night Fever. And he really is this incredibly charismatic, fully grown movie star here. I adore John Travolta, but I have heard you talk about him on more than one occasion. <laughs> I think it's safe to say that you are the leading John Travolta nerd of the world. Oh, I hope that I'm up there because he's one of my heroes. I've been obsessed with him most of my life. He's an incredibly collaborative actor who usually has a say in casting the actors around him, and that really starts on this film. So did he pick any of the actors in this film? He picked Olivia Newton-John. He somehow knew and liked her country music. Oh, wow. And he was like, she's got to be Sandy. And I think watching him and her work together it captures that collaborative energy of him. He calibrates his performance with who he's with. I think he's so perfect at capturing this high camp blend of goofy machismo all over as a cover for this very sensitive, soulful young man. And apparently he was in one of the early stage productions of Grease the Musical, but not as Danny Zuko, as like one of the other thugs. Like he was cast <laughs> as one of the random dude friend. Isn't that crazy? Like, imagine one of the hottest men in history (laughs) oozing that movie star charisma who just moves so cinematically and going, yeah, this guy should be cast as one of Danny's freaking weird friends like Kaniki's cousin over here or some like shit. Like Putsy or Sonny or something it's like that. so weird. I, I, cannot, can't. Yeah, I can't imagine it. I can't imagine anyone else doing this role, mostly because of his chin. Mm. The, the Travolta chin dimple oh, is iconic. Like, I could swim in that dimple. You could. <laughs> you could and you would be able to do laps, basically. <laughs> It's so beautiful and deep. Remember the first time that he turns around in the Mm. film? So the first time you ever meet Danny in the movie, he's standing with a bunch of girls at school, back to camera, and the greasers yell out like, oh, hey, there's Danny. And he turns around, cigarette in mouth, that chin deep as the ocean and flashes that Travolta smile. I'm pretty oh. sure that's where I can pinpoint the moment. I think you've nailed something here in that Greece has the best turns in cinematic oh, history. they nail the turns. They nail the turns. Everyone is like so perfect in this film, but to me, beyond perfection is Stockard Channing as Rizzo. Oh, yes. And hand on heart... In the song, Look At Me, I'm Sandra D. when it starts and Rizzo turns around in that chair with the blonde wig on and transforms and belts out, look at me, I'm Sandra D. What a voice. It is, in my not-so-humble opinion, the three greatest seconds of cinema. <laughs> I watch that all the time. It's this, it turns bullying into this cinematic high art. And she's 33 freaking years old playing, <laughs> I guess, a 16-year-old. And she nails it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that a younger person could never really capture the deep well of emotions that Stockard Channing accesses, especially to sell that big solo later on in There Are Worse Things I Could Do. I think this is one of the great performances. I could not agree with you more. And she hasn't even been a teenager for nearly two decades at this point. Oh, my God. (laughs) The thing I'm curious about is which character you wish you were, but which character you think you actually are. (laughs) I feel like I've had this discussion with a lot of my close friends throughout history because I know that... A lot Mm -hmm. of people would want to be Sandy, right? Absolutely. But I was definitely a Jan. Wow. (laughs) Wanted to be a Marty. I think you're wrong. I think you're Frenchie all over. Really? I see you as a Frenchie. Oh, my gosh. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. You could drop out of beauty school in a heartbeat, darling. (laughs) I mean it. It is so clear to me that I dream of being a Daddy Zuko. Yeah, of course. But I'm completely Eugene, the nerd no. that gets pied in the face. You are not Eugene. <laughs> I'm a Eugene. I know it. I'm no, a Eugene. I think you're a Zuko and you just got to oh, accept it. God, I got chills and they're multiplying. <laughs>
I'm definitely a Jan who wants to be a Marty. I think Marty is the coolest character in this. She wears the hottest outfits. She's a devoted pen pal. She has all these lovers <laughs> that she's constantly contacting. But she, for me, has the line of the film, which is where Jan and her are, like, watching on Thunder Road before they're about to do the race. And Cha-Cha grabs something out of her top and Jan says... What did she give him? A lock of hair from her chest? It's my favourite line. <laughs> it's such a funny movie. For me, this is a film of all bangers when it comes to the numbers. What is your favourite song? Well, that sound means not all bangers for me. Oh. You're the one that I want is one of my absolute faves. I think also just like a flying car. It's mm-hmm. got something for my heart. I love it. I'll ask you about your favourite song, mm-hmm. but I want to know which songs you fast-forwarded through because for me, it was every other song in this. Really? Yes. I think it's all bangers. I think as a kid, I always fast-forward through Hopelessly Devoted to You the Oscar-nominated original number from this of musical. Course, yes, and I know that people love it, but at the time that was the one that I was like, oh, nah. Oh, no mopey love songs. I'm actually getting upset that you don't <laughs> like some of the songs in the movie Grease. <laughs> we could talk about this all day, but I think we've got to press on. Mm-hmm. We've covered Greece in its entirety, all the way from Thessaloniki down to Athens. We've covered <laughs> all of Greece. We've covered all of Greece. And now we come to our premiere flick of the week, The Prom. Oh my gosh, check this out. She's from Edgewater, Indiana. She's a lesbian. She wanted to take her girlfriend to the high school prom. And the PTA went apeshit and they cancelled it. They cancelled prom? Are they allowed to do that? A group of down-on-their-luck Broadway stars shake up life in small-town Indiana as they rally behind a team fighting to bring her girlfriend to prom. This is the prom. The Prom is directed by Ryan Murphy, who we know from Glee. Mm-hmm. It is obviously a star-studded lineup: Meryl Streep, all hail to you, queen of cinema and film forever, <laughs> Nicole Kidman, James Corden, Kerry Washington, Keegan-Michael Key, Andrew Rannells, but it introduces us to Joellen Pellman and Ariana DeBose, who are both lovely. And hopefully it introduces teens to my beloved character actors, Mary Kay Place and Tracy Ullman. Oh, That's what Trace. I want most from this movie. I feel like Ryan Murphy always manages to assemble the wildest groups of high-profile actors on any production. Look at a movie we talked about earlier in this season when we were talking about The Boys in the Band, another Ryan Murphy production, and it is all headlined, like you said, by the queen of all cinema, Meryl Streep. Is this very haughty, narcissistic character called Dee Dee Allen, which makes me think of Gigi Allen, the (laughs) punk rock superstar, and she does so well with so much high drama. For me, Meryl is everything. I can't can't look past Meryl in any moment. I am immediately disarmed by Meryl. You are disarmed. Her character, Dee Dee, talks at one stage about her ex-husband, Eddie, and the heartbreak that she's Mm. had through this breakup, and I immediately started crying. Mm -hmm. That scene also has a clip from My Best Friend's Wedding, which is one of my favourite (laughs) rom-coms. So I was... uh, I was a mess. You were poised to put the waterworks out in that moment. It's one of my absolute faves. I love Meryl Streep, and I think this is like an interesting role for her because we've seen her career transform so much over the years, and because she's one of those big movie stars and big prestige actors, it's so interesting to go through their career. And it all begins with her as like this transformative actor who like slips into roles and loses them, like lots of great accent work. And she's seen as being very intense and not really having a sense of humor, which I think is very unfair 
affair. But then she makes this huge shift in her second act in her career with notable comedic performances with Death Becomes Her, oh. Postcards from the Edge, yeah. Adaptation, lots of great, fun, vibrant work. And now I think in this third act, there's all this interesting free dynamic of switching between those two things of prestige work and comedic work interchangeably and sometimes in the same role, which I think she does right here. Alexi, it might shock you for me to admit this mm -hmm. to all of our beautiful listeners. I'm ready to be shocked. I think you and I tend to exaggerate. Mm. Every now and again, I think we might just lean on hyperbole. Absolutely. This is not one of those moments. Absolutely There is not. nothing she can't do. And mm -hmm. this is a, such a prime example of that. She's funny. She's transformative. She's dramatic. She can sing and dance. Yep. There's nothing Meryl Streep can't do. I adore her. I'm saying it. Good night. I also adore Nicole Kidman in this. I think mm -hmm. that she's funny and she's got a lot of heart. And if anything, I would have wanted to see more of her. Oh, absolutely. I agree. I think she's super funny in this film. I think she has great comedic chops and I love it when she utilises them. Totally. I also love Andrew Rannells. I think that Ryan Murphy's made him this great on-screen star. But I also love something about this cast that Ryan Murphy often does where he brings stars of theatre and that we do not see in like bigger roles like this into his films. I have to mention Kerry Washington as well. I adore her acting. Yes. I think she's absolutely brilliant. I loved her in Little Fires Everywhere, although I did find her very scary, but mm. I think she's most terrifying in this role as the homophobic mother of the film. But that's not what people will walk away thinking about in this particular movie. They're going to be talking about how she was dressed, but we'll chat more about that with our very special dinner guest. So the only nice dress I have is this. Wow. Okay, I mean, yeah, yeah, you could wear that to prom or, you know, keep it lying around in case there's a remake of Little House on the Prairie. It's... Okay, that's it. I like him. Emma, please let me dress you for this prom. I don't know. This is all so crazy. What did you wear to your prom? Someone who is always prom ready, and I would say probably the best dressed comedian in the world, would be <gasps> our very good friend, Reese Nicholson, who's joining us remotely from Melbourne. Hello, Reese. Oh, hello, you sweet tooth friends of mine. I almost said sweet tooth then. This is the problem where mm -hmm. people that work in show business and media and for a little while there, we don't need to talk about it, let's not focus on it, but there weren't that many those types of jobs around for yes. a while mm -hmm. and now we've got to do it again quite suddenly yep. and I don't know how to talk anymore. And it's I say things like, hello, you sweet tooth. <laughs> But it's like those music boxes that have been really slow and rusted for about nine months and now someone's yeah. furiously trying to turn it again and we're like, I don't yeah. even know if I know this song. The monkeys yeah. are back to work with the organ grinder and we're so excited about it. It's a whole new world and let me tell you, I'm going to be the prom king of it all. We are talking about proms today. Obviously in Australia they're not proms, they're formals, but Reese, did you have a formal at your school? Yeah, I went to a performing arts school, Hunter School of Performing Arts, yes. and we had a year 10 formal yes, and then so a year we. 12 formal. Mm -hmm. To the year 12 one, I'd done textiles, the puzzle is starting to come together. <laughs> um, and I made a jumpsuit, like a formal Whoa. jumpsuit. Oh, wow. Do you remember the colour? It was red. You know, that famously... Wow. Subtle, colour. gorgeous colour red. Oh, my God. The conversations parents must have been having, like... Oh, look at that. Look at that poor boy. <laughs> the world's going to eat him up. 
Oh, I think my parents were going down the exact same thought path because for my year 10 formal, I insisted on taking a red feather boa, which I will oh, never yeah. not Oh, regret. my word. Never. A in, feather boa? Yeah, a red feather boa. <laughs> in fairness, my dad helped me pick out my year 10 formal dress and it's gorgeous. It's just a little black yeah. hue number that I would 100% wear today if I still fit in it. But the red feather boa was just too much. I had watched Sliding Doors. There was that moment where Gwyneth Paltrow cuts her hair short and puts flowers in it for the opening of the mm, restaurant gorge. and the PR for and I was like oh that has to be me now even though we look nothing alike and have different hair colours so I cut my hair put little red flowers Uh. in the top and took a red feather boa When do you think the last decade was that a feather boa wasn't a clear cry for help? (laughs) I think the 20s (laughs) Isn't it so funny to imagine like a hundred years ago a feather boa was considered erotic? You're like oh my word she's got that gorgeous tickly rash style (laughs) vest around her all formed out of feathers let me see her swinging around her neck I remember for my formal outfit I took a picture of Dean Martin around go like okay I want this hair and I want this kind of suit I want a gorgeous like shark skin style shiny suit like a mafioso so i had like this like very reflective shiny like silvery type suit like a soprano would wear basically (laughs) yeah and i remember like just like you took your guma yeah i took my beautiful mistress to the prom with me (laughs) and i made sure that all my fellas had their mistresses as well so the wives would never find out about this it's a guma night it's just a night with the gumas (laughs) exactly i'd just be like this 16 year old chubby boy like wearing like <laughs> this silky shark skin suit and it also you know it was the first time I really got on the Beeros like I really put yeah. the Beeros away that night and I got like so smashed I remember coming home at like not even that late would have been like midnight or something and just like <laughs> making so much noise like crashing through the front door basically and I just needed to absolutely up chuck i need to spew yeah. so bad i just remember like just opening the bathroom door and then it's just go time and just spewed all over the place and my mum and my oh. er like coming down to see like what's going on because i've not been quiet it's so loud <laughs> and they're just like are you okay what's wrong and just in my head i'm like they can never know that i've been drinking so i just started yelling at them i swear the panna cotta was off they didn't, <laughs> they didn't let the panna cotta set at the dinner it was not made properly they didn't know how to make it and just spew and then there's them like rubbing my head and my hair going like it's okay don't worry you want to be I know that they didn't make good panna cotta I know <laughs> just pretending that I got poisoned oh my god and the next day I had my internship with legal aid which is like a legal defense thing I was working yeah. with a criminal lawyer on like a defense team oh, this just is like, observing this is a traumatic moment for you though wasn't it absolutely traumatic like this is so traumatic so I'm like there in like a freaking Supreme Court, like wearing my formal suit because it was the only thing I had that was court ready. With the, oh with God, the hangover bit. With the hangover, all hangover. So I'm like green. And then like the family of the defendant were just like telling me, this is the secret for hangover. Have a Barocca before you go to bed the night before. And then still to this day, I do that because of them. It's but true. They're watching like their family member go through the most traumatic experience of their life. And I'm just like sweating and disgusting <laughs> in front of like all these barristers with their little white wigs on and stuff. Oh, gosh. I would love if you had have gotten into the legal... Pr- is that what you wanted to do? It's what my mother dreamed of me to do, do but you I had... Do like his mum does? No. She wears a feather bow and <laughs> no, sings in cabaret. <laughs> no, my mum is a human rights lawyer. Oh, this all makes sense yes. now. That's yes. why you're such a good boy. I'm too afraid of the law, so I've never broken a single one of them. <laughs> wow. Well, Reese's parents are... 
Ceramicist. Ceramicist. Wow. Which is why I've, I've never broken a single plate. A single, not a single plate, not a single <laughs> not pot. A, I'm scared of them. It. Wow, Reese, you shall never come to my wedding because I'll tell you, you'll no. freak out. We break a lot of plates <laughs> at those things. I will stand up drunk at your wedding with a microphone and go, you're being disrespectful to my father's profession. <laughs> we are ceramicists and this is not on what is happening How at this place. could you? I can this just, is a waste of clay. Just you crawling around with a hot glue Luke, I'm being like, I can still fix. I can, I can still, still fix, fix it. <laughs> oh my God, that's DD Allen. I want to tell the people love whatever this town's called. I know what's going on here, and frankly, I'm appalled. Obviously, if you're a fan of musicals, you're going to love the prom. Like, it's very irreverent in mm-hmm. the way that the lyric structure works. I know that sounds technical, yeah. but it's just a bit different to <laughs> yes. traditional musicals. Sorry if, if we're using lingo too hard <laughs> for you guys. Sorry. A little inside baseball there for you. But- Lyrical. <laughs> we love lyrics on this podcast, and I love yeah. to hear songs. But the thing is, is that it, it is a little bit different. It's, mm. it's kind of pushing the envelope. It has to be a bit different in the way that yeah. they write songs and make songs. So if you love musicals, you're going to love this or you're going to be excited by what they've done. I think this is a good like family viewing experience. I think that it's sweet. It's nice. You love to hear songs together. It's going to bring everyone together in a very nice and welcoming way. I would say if you love Hairspray and you love Mamma Mia, but you hate cats, <laughs> this is the movie for you. <laughs> This movie is not for me, and yeah. I think partly because I'm confident in my sexuality, mm. but I think I would have been obsessed with it when I was 15. There's, like, little in-jokes in it that, especially, like, as a queer teen, mm. that you're, like, hungry for. There are queer characters in this that are completely fine with being queer mm. or that, you know, they've gone through some sort of struggle and they're completely fine with it. And even just seeing the strongest queer character is the teenage girl, mm. and I think that is really great if anything the adults are kind of struggling with stuff and the child helps them which makes you feel kind of hopeful about like the next generation of kids growing up in a world where films aren't constantly apologizing or struggling like where some of the queer characters are actually liberated already and are teaching the generation above them something about being queer and being confident i totally agree i don't think that this film was necessarily for me i have a love-hate relationship with musicals i think that I hate them and then I start watching them and I'm crying and they're really (laughs) affecting me. Um, But there were so many moments in this film where I was so positively affected by the music and the dancing and and I couldn't help but love those moments. There's a moment where, and not without giving anything away, kind of near the end of the movie, there's a moment where a a lot of uh, teenagers stream into a room Mm. (laughs) and just by even the the production design of those teenagers made me so excited to Mm. be watching it. It's a very uplifting experience yeah yeah it was really great really really great if you've fallen in love with the big film buffet follow it on spotify and wherever you get your podcasts to make sure you get those new episodes as soon as they drop every single tuesday and comment share that love rate and review it tell a friend or a loved one or a potential loved one Reese, every single week we play a game called Film or Movie where we decide whether a motion picture title is either a film, which is... A film is art. It is experiential. It is going in and seeing the silver screen. But hang on a second. Silver screen also reflects. It's not just the portal. It's about feeling experienced and seen in the world. As opposed to a movie, which is kind of like a blockbuster, Mm -hmm. high budgets, candy, 
popcorn yes. happiness. Um, not a bad thing, just no, no, different no, no. to a film. Just different, that's it. We're talking about things that are different, okay? So usually we yeah. would have producer Michael come in here, but someone has given me a crown and the power has gone to my head, <laughs> so I will be issuing the title today. <laughs> I will be issuing the title for today. It is a motion picture that you may have seen before. Mm. It is called High School Musical. I'm going to say openly, <gasps> I'm very proudly, wow. I'm going to say that High School Musical is a movie, not even close to a film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, apart from its blockbuster success, what makes you say that? It's the order that things go. Like, I think you can turn a film wow. into a play but I, I think you can't turn a film into a musical. I think you can turn a movie into a musical. Does that make sense? That makes absolute sense, but I must say that I think you are nuts. I think you're crazy. I think that High School Musical is a film, okay? It is all about finding oneself. Mm -hmm. It is all about these people that are just tragically, they feel like they're outsiders in their own world. They're wandering around wondering where they should belong. And then that they belong together. Zac Efron believes that he should be a basketball player. He dreams of shooting hoops, but he is trapped in a minuscule body. <laughs> And I think that this idea of Vanessa Hudgens, who is a film star, we know her from Spring Breakers, that's a film. And I think having them together in this, there is something <laughs> so magical about their chemistry together. <laughs> they, there is this electric, eclectic feeling. And to have them be this real-life couple that have gone through all these things in this real time, we're seeing them come to life in this. And I think what is most special about High School Musical is that Sure, it's about this straight couple coming together, but it's interesting in a filmic sense because it is also one of the gayest movies ever made. <laughs> I can't ignore the facts. Mm -hmm. This became not only a musical, a book, a series of comics, mm -hmm. some live shows, video yes. games, and a television series. Mm. There's a video game and a comic book? <laughs> What do you have to do? Try and find the nudes? There is no doubt in my mind that High School Musical is... A movie. Okay. Sorry, Alexi. Okay, yes. Take off your crown. <laughs> Absolutely. If you got yourself a taste of musical movies and you're like, uh, a little bit more, please, Susie and Alexi, then we suggest you catch up with the cult classic Josie and the Pussycats. Thank you, guys. You're a great crowd. Okay, girls, we need the lane now. And your shoes. Josie, Melody and Valerie are teens in a struggling rock band. But when Du Jour, the boy band sensation of the day, violently disappear, Josie and the Pussycats are reshaped into a commercial band phenomenon in a government ploy to brainwash teens with subliminal messages promoting excessive materialist capitalism. Oh, gosh, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times. <laughs> a story as old as time, a song as old as rhyme. So let's talk about this cast first of all. This is an iconic late 90s, early noughties cast. This is course. Rachel Lee Cook, from, famously from She's All That, the transformational mm. rom-com. And might I say, she <laughs> is all that in she this movie. She is all that. We've got Tara Reid. We've got Rosario Dawson. One of the most underrated Ooh. actors of all time. I adore Rosario Dawson. And then you've got this lineup that make up du jour. You've got Seth Green Oof. from Can't Hardly Wait, which is the same director as Josie and the Pussycats. Yep. And writer, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think so. And then you've got 
Donald Faison from Scrubs fame, but also from Clueless, as well as Brecken Meyer. I love Brecken Meyer. I him love so him. I think he's super funny. And of course, two other all time legends. Alan Cumming and Parker Posey. They are such brilliant villains in this. You hate them immediately, but you love to hate them. What is it with late 90s, early 2000s movies that are like, I know the joke is that there's a lot of product placement, (laughs) but like there's movies that have a lot of cameos and some sort of government conspiracy. But this like, one, and they're shot in a certain way. This like, one there's, has like, a government conspiracy, but it also is, for me, a government conspiracy. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I love this movie, and I yeah. love yeah. late 90s, early noughties films, but this is yeah. product placement to the max. Like, there is not a frame of this movie <laughs> that doesn't have a brand, like, basically slapping you in the face. This also gave me so many flashbacks to the early noughties fashion, the, mm. like, handkerchief yes. top and the hipster pant oh my god that just gave oh me an god. anxiety <laughs> kind of a happy anxiety i was like oh remember when you could wear that or you thought you could wear that it just it's so nostalgic and yeah i totally loved it i think as well part of its charm is it looks really gorgeous it's got this kind of like candy quality to its cinematography and it's shot by matthew yeah. libertique who went on to create like bombastic visual feasts like black swan a star is born mother oh. requiem for a dream birds of prey Iron Man, but even a film that was our main course for today, The Prom. It's the same Same cinematographer. There you go. This has come back after, you know, not having critical acclaim. I think it was even slammed when Mm. it was when it first came up, but now people are loving it again. I think it's because it captures that teen romance, that like late nineties vibe teen romance where the lead character is friends with the skinny white guy and then they don't admit it for ages, but then they fall in love, which we all love. If you want a little bit more in this kind of realm, a movie that I know I love and Reese loves is the Hairspray movie musicals. Oh, I love it so much. I love it so much, that movie. <laughs> and if you want something that's a little less pop and a little more grunge, kind of in the Susie Yusuf vein of growing up, <laughs> then you can't go past Empire Records, which I am saying is a musical <gasps> teen movie that changed it counts. my life. It counts. Okay, so our menu for today, we had a starter of Grease. Then we're joined by Grease Nicholson to talk about the prom, and then we close things up with our dessert of Josie and those pussycats. Reese, thank you so much for joining us on the Big Film Buffet. We love you so much. You're one of our dearest friends. Oh, this is such pleasure. There was no work involved in this. It was all pleasure. <laughs> if you adore Reese Nicholson as much as we do, and why would you not, then please check out his special that is oh. on Netflix from the 20th of December. It is called Reese Nicholson Live at the Athenaeum. It is glorious. If you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to Total Reboot, the film podcast where my friend Cameron and I go through reboots, remakes, and rip-offs in cinema. And if you want to hear more from Alexi and myself, then join us next week for our film Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with very special dinner guest Jen Fricker. This episode was written and hosted by me, Alexi Toliopoulos, and my dear friend Susie Yusuf. Produced by Michael Sun and Anu Hasbold. Edited by Jeffrey O'Connor. And executive produced by Tony Broderick and Melanie Martin. 